following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. So this morning we're just going to take a little detour from Acts, and uh, as I was praying, the Lord just led me to this passage of, of Scripture, and it's about Elijah. And as I was thinking of the prophets, I was off. I, I kind of wondered, you know, because you got some prophets. Uh, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. Isaiah's the suffering prophet. Was, I, I just thought of, you know, like God had His hand out with the straws, and just how they picked them. Because it's like Elijah seemed to get the best straw, and it's like he doesn't have his own book. He's only got a few chapters in First and Second Kings, but yet. He is so revered as, as a prophet. When we look at him, he's, he's highly esteemed in the Jewish faith. He has a seat of honor at every Passover. They stand and wait for him to come in to drink and eat. At the bris, they do the same thing. And every Shabbat is ended with a prayer evoking the, the return, swift return of Elijah that he would come and bring the promised Messiah with him. So Elijah has this place within the Jewish religion, their culture. It's this, this place of honor. You know, John the Baptist came. They said, "Are you Elijah?" They didn't say, "Are you Isaiah?" Are you? No, because Elijah was this promised guy. But who was he? Was he somebody special? James says he was an ordinary guy. He wasn't an extraordinary human. He was ordinary, just like you and me. But yet, when he prayed, it did not rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again, and it rained. He was a man of extraordinary faith. And I want to look at chapter 17 this morning, and kind of look at who Elijah was, and kind of pull out some things on on, on faith. And how we, as believers, can walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling. In a manner that's that's higher than what the world walks. Because we are not of the world. So, Isaiah 17 starts out, Ahab had become the the king of Israel, the, the northern territory. And he had a wife that was wicked, evil, black to the core. Her heart was cold. And, you know, we have a war on terror right now. Well, she had a war on God. She had a war against God's people. And he took and he tore down the the altars and he put up altars to Baal. Because he was appeasing his wife. And God calls Elijah and He says, I want you to go before the king of Israel and tell him it will not rain or dew. Not just that it won't rain, but there will be absolutely zero moisture in the air until it happens upon My Word. Can you imagine that? I mean, that'd be like us going before the President of the United States and saying, you know what, because of all the havoc that's happened in this country, 
and the country has turned its back on God, this country will not see water. It will not say it'll just be in heat until upon my can you imagine walking to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and saying that? That's what God was calling Elijah to do. And it's not just that he was going before the king. His wife hated anybody that was related to, to Yahweh. His name means God is my Yahweh. He is connected to God through and through, and God's calling him to do this. So we have to look at Elijah and say, like, what makes him a man that has that, that strength to go before the king of Israel? And the first point I want to share with you today is that faith is a key to God's movement. If he had no faith in God, if he did not trust in that God was calling him as a prophet, a false prophet see, means death. They take you out and stone you as a false prophet. So he has to know he's hearing from God. But faith is the key to God's movement. Jesus says, the faith of a mustard seed. doesn't have to be grandiose faith. It doesn't have to be something that is beyond our imagination. He goes, the faith of a mustard seed. It's the littlest seed of all. But when it's planted and it's watered, it grows into a huge tree that gives shade to all the things. The birds, people sit under it. It has purpose. It is useful when it's applied. And God's saying to us, it's like, all you need is faith. Just a little trust. And watch what I will do through you. So often, we don't have to be called in front of a king. Sometimes it's just living life. Going to the workplace and being a light. Going to the workplace and being somebody who stands for righteousness. You know what? We get... A 30-minute lunch? We're going to take a 30-minute lunch. Nobody's around to walk. That's okay. I, I, I only get paid to do 30 minutes. At the relatives, we're at the house watching TV. Something comes on that's not appropriate. Strikes your spirit. You have to be willing to say, you know what? You guys can watch that. That's cool with you. I'm just going to go into the other room. It doesn't have to be a holier-than-thou but it's just a matter of saying, you know what? I'm going to stand up for what God is calling me to do. I'm going to stand up to being what God wants me to be. So Elijah, he does that. And he goes to the king and he says, it's not going to rain. It's not going to do. Ever again until my word. And God says to him, you know what? Jezebel is going to be after you, so I want you to get up and I want you to go. It says in verse 2, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hike to Kareth Ravine, east of Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him, and he went to Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, 
and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Second point this morning is sincere faith trusts in the Word of God. When we have faith, we trust in the Word of God. Jesus was talking in John 6. People were like, oh, eat of your flesh, drink your what, what? And they all started to leave because it was too hard for them to understand it. And Jesus looked at the apostles and said, are you going to leave me too? And what was their response? Where are we going to go? Only you have the words of life. Only you have words that can sustain us. How does a young man keep his way pure? By holding on to the Word of God. Lord, You are my substance. You are my my portion. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet. A light unto my path. Your Word leads me into all truth. It's the Word of God that gives us answers. It's the Word of God that gives us understanding. It's the Word of God that reveals God to us. How do we know that which we hear is of God if we know not the Word of God? How do we answer when people are coming against us because of our faith if we know not the Word? Jesus was tempted three times by the devil. And He twisted the Word of God and Jesus came right back at Him for it is written. For it is written. The Word says He came back at Him with the Word of God. The Word of God is living and active. The Word of God is the power of God. Jesus is called the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Nothing that was made was made without the Word. So we have to trust that the Word of God is true. When God leads us, He led him, and He said, you know what? I want you to walk. And it wasn't like going two blocks down. He said, I want you to hike 25 miles or so to the ravine. Don't stop off at McDonald's on your way. You know, just go. I'm calling you to do something. I want you to do it. And don't worry because I will supply your substance. Also, I'm faithful. I, I, I know God is faithful. He will meet all your what? All your needs according to His... Our needs. Our needs may not be all that we aspire. Our needs may not be what we think we need. But God does know what we need and He meets them. Maybe not in the way that we're expecting. Sometimes it's material. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's, 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 it's a car. Maybe it's a TV. What, you know, whatever it is, it's like there's a need and He knows what it is and He'll meet it. Sometimes it's spiritual. It's nothing that's material, but He meets our need. Because what we, we may think it's a material need, but all of a sudden there's a spiritual underlining and somebody's going to come alongside us and they will pray for us. They'll speak into our lives and all of a sudden what we thought we needed is no longer there. That hole has been filled by the Spirit of God. 
Elijah went and he was fed by ravens. They came, he gave bread and meat. And during the day, what did he do? He was hanging out by this by this creek and he was drinking from the creek. And the ravens would come. He'd probably have to start a fire to cook the meat. Unless he liked it tartar, I don't know. But we have this man, and, and what did he do? He spent time with God. He was a man of God. He was called to a purpose. You and I are called to a purpose. We may not be prophets, but we're called to profess Jesus Christ. We're called to live a life according to the Word of God. We're called to live above that which the world lives. So I ask, are we spending time with God? Are we resting in the Lord? And going off and spending time with God doesn't mean monasticism. It doesn't mean that we, we isolate. Because isolation means nothing. That is good for the individual. That is good just for that little community. That's not what God has called us to do. Jesus went up into the mountain for what? A period of time. For a night. Probably for you know six hours. And He came back refreshed and ready to hit the road. God calls us into those moments of going by that creek and being refilled, replenished. But it's to then stand up and move forward again. And again, He tells him, now the creek is dried up because why? There's no rain, there's no dew, there's no water. That creek can only last for so long. Dries up and God says to him what? Hey, I want you to go over here to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went, and when he came to the town gate, I want you to know this track was about 50 miles. So he's got no food, no water at this point, and he's going to just walk an entire day to get to this town. You think he's a little parched when he gets to the town gates? Probably. And he called to this widow, and there she was gathering sticks. So he called her and said, would you bring me a little water so that I might have a drink? And she was going to get it. He called back and said, oh, hey, can you please bring me a piece of bread? And I'm a little famished with his walking. And this is her response. As surely as the Lord your God lives... I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and make it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. I read that and it immediately sent me back to, to Hagar and Ishmael when she was sent out from uh, Sarah. She just got a little jealous and said, God said, do what you will, and sent her out, and all of a sudden they're under the tree, and they're like, done. And the Lord appeared to her and said, don't, don't fret. She thought they were dead. Again, she's like looking at the material, 
and saying, you know what, I've got enough, probably for one little cake, we're going to split it and we're going to die. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home, do as you have said, but first, make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and for your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up, the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. So she goes and does it. And the third thing I want to say to you is faith needs to be exercised. What good is faith if it is not exercised? And the book of James gives a whole discourse on faith and deeds. I think the, it's up there uh, on the screen. But I'd encourage you to go back and fully read it because I didn't even put it all in there. But even more so, it's like later on he's saying, you know what, you need to be a, not only a hearer of the Word, but you have to be a doer of the Word. Because if we're not doing what we understand, if we're not walking by faith, what happens? We forget who we are. He says that you're like a man who's in a mirror. You see yourself, but if you're not exercising your faith, if you're not exercising your understanding of who you are in God, when you turn around, you forget who you are in God. You forget the power that you have as a disciple of the living God. As one who is empowered by the Holy Spirit. In much the same way we have muscles in our body, if we don't exercise them, what happens? They fatigue, they, just, they, they die out. And if we're not exercising our faith, if we're not living out our faith in Christ, it weakens. You think about how God called people from the Bible. There was never rain in the land. He's telling Noah, go build a boat. He's like, what's a boat? What does a boat do? Floats on the water. Why? It's going to rain. What's rain? Build it by faith. Trust my words. Elijah is one who lives out his faith. He's speaking to this woman and he says, you know what? By the word of the Lord. He's not saying it's my words. I'm not telling you it's going to run out or it's not going to run out. But by the power of God, it won't run out. I have faith in my God because He has told me you're going to feed me. You're my source, so I know you're not going to run out of what you need to feed me with because my God's not a liar. Now, we're going to see this woman right here. She's obedient, right? She goes, she makes it, and then for three years, she's making them bread. It's good. But her obedience isn't out of faith. Her obedience is more out of respect. Because if you look, spoil alert, back at the last verse of the chapter, the woman said to Elijah, now 
I know that you are a man of God and that your, the word of the Lord from your mouth is true. So at this point, she's listening to him and saying, that sounds pretty good. But I'm not sure if I've truly taken it in. We'll test it. I'll make them. We'll see. We'll, you know, as long as I'm getting something, I'm pretty good here. And the fourth thing I want to share with you is that faith is our source of spiritual power and victory. Without faith, there's no victory. Faith is our barometer of our spiritual well-being. After a time, it says that the woman's son begot, became ill. He became so ill that he died. And she looked at Elijah and said, what are you doing? You've brought my sin upon me. Now look, my son has died. You've cursed me. She didn't look. She, just like the Israelites through the desert, God splits the Red Sea. God gives them manna, and every time they go back and they don't trust God. Here she is, three years of bread, of manna from heaven, literally coming from heaven, and then her son dies. And what does she do? She curses Elijah. You brought my guilt upon me, and now my son is dead. And I love this because Elijah just grabs the son walks up into his loft, puts the son on his own bed, and what does he do? He lays down on top of the son three times. And it's the significance of, of, of just the, the passion that this man has for, for God's glory to happen. I mean, when you see it three times, it's in the same way in 2 Corinthians 12 when, when Paul is brought up into the third heaven, and he saw that, and he says, because I've seen these things, God has put a thorn in my flesh. And he says, three times earnestly, three times I pray that God would take it away. But what does he say? My grace is sufficient for thee. Three times the Lord in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane went and he prayed earnestly as the blood was, was pouring from his forehead. So there's this sense of, of, of three times just showing the the, the magnitude of a situation. And Elijah three times lays on him. And he's saying, Lord God, why? Why has this happened? I pray Thee, Lord, that You bring back to life this child. He's praying earnestly that God would do a mighty work, a miracle. Why? Because he felt bad for the widow? Maybe, but that wasn't the, the main cause. That wasn't the main source. He wants God to be lifted up. God to be glorified. It had nothing to do with him. He wasn't saying, Lord, you know, save face for me here. here you know, I'm, just, I'm just doing what you told me to do. And I didn't, why did he not? I don't know. He didn't care about himself. He wants God to get glorified. And he's praying. 
And I love it because he says, put back this child's soul, the breath, back in this boy. Significant. Because it's showing, it's like there's a part, there's spirit and there's body. There's eternity at stake here. And he's praying. So let's say the prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. Boom. Brings the boy back down and says, he's alive. I don't know what you're getting all huffy about. So, oh, here he is. And then it's just like, wow. But that, to me, is the wellness. Because I look at these three people. We have Elijah, a man full of faith. Go before a king. The word of the Lord says this. I trust you, Lord. I'm going to go. I will walk 25 miles. I'll walk 50 miles this way. Because you tell me to. Because I trust you. We have a widow. Her spiritual wellness isn't really, it's just, I'm walking by obedience. I'll test it. I'm not sure. I don't know. You know. And the boy is kind of, and some of us could be walking around and our, our, our faith is dead. We've kind of just let it become lethargic. We've become more involved in the things of the world. We've become more involved with the things of, of trying to esteem certain position or to collect various material things. To find our comfort other than God. And spiritually, we are not, we're not alive. We're dormant. It's like the walking dead. We're here, but we're not. And we need people to come into our lives and to speak truth. To speak the power of life. What did Jesus say? It's like Lazarus was dead four days behind the the stone. He's like, Lazarus, get up and come out. He spoke life into the dead. How many of us have relatives who do not know Jesus? How many of us have co-workers who do not know Jesus? They are dead spiritually. God is calling us to rise up. And I'll tell you, I mean, with family, the hardest thing is to speak to family. Because it's like they know us. (laughs) You know, it's like, I know what you were. Yeah, but I'm not. I was. I was blind. Now I see. I was lost. Now I'm found. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away and all things are made new. I live my life in a newness. And the question would be, do they see a newness in our life? Our testimony has to correlate with our lifestyle. We can't say, I found Jesus and there's no change. Jesus is the ultimate change agent. 
as we submit our lives to God, it's just like the artichoke. How do you get to the artichoke heart? You peel away all the, the layers. And then you get to the heart, to the meat. And that what's, that's what God wants to do with each one of us. Because that's where the goodness is. And then we can speak. We have authority to speak into people's lives. Because they see it. And the last point is, faith in righteousness leads to God's glorification. Faith in righteousness leads to God's glorification. And up on the screen it has the, the Psalm 37.5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him. And He will do this. He will make your righteousness your righteous reward shine like the dawn and your vindication like the noonday sun. He's going to do this. He is going to make it so that your light, your righteousness is evident to all. Will everybody agree with it? Will everybody like it? No. Will you be mocked for it? Yes. But will God be with you? Will He strengthen you? Will He give you resolve? Yes. For I shall never leave you nor forsake you, He says. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus said, if the Son of Man is lifted up, I will draw all men to Myself. God uses everything in our life to prepare us for something in the future. Every moment of every day is a training session. Even when He's fulfilling something in our life, there's still a preparation for something that is to come. Because if we don't succeed in what God has before us, what's going to happen? We're going to find ourselves in the same situation, maybe different people. It's like those old police shows, you know, Dragnet and whatnot. They're showing my age, I think. But it's like the names have been changed and so forth. And that's what God does with us. When we don't quite understand where He's putting us in a testing place, showing us where our faith lies, showing us where we're weak and where we're strong, where we're able to, to gain victory and where we need to pursue and, and to pray more. When we, when we don't succeed, He's going to go, you know what, that's okay. Now I'm going to take you, I'm going to put you in the remedial class for, for, for a semester so that you can gain it a little bit better. And then the next time it's like, bam, I got it. And now I can su- succeed in what God has put before me. Because the next thing that happened in Elijah's life was Mount Carmel. After three and a half years, it goes, hey, I'm ready to go back to Ahab and tell him it's going to rain. But then he goes to Mount Carmel. And that was like, that took a lot of faith. Say, so you got your altar, I've got mine. But you know what? Take mine. Pour water around it. They're going to light them on fire. But what are again? 
Maybe some more. I don't think it's wet enough. They're probably like going, you know, we're, they're supposed to catch on. Yeah, 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 we're good. Let's really douse it with water. All right, you guys go first. Call down your gods to light, light it on fire. What's happening? Maybe your god's going to the bathroom. They wait and wait, and then finally it's like, oh, you know, they must just be really busy doing other things. Let's try it now. His is soaked with water. Praise to God. Boom! Just lights up. Because he was a man of faith. He was a man that trusted God. He listened to God. He spent time with God. He understood what God was doing. He had a passion that God would be raised up back. Because in Israel, northern Israel, God was lost. Holiness was, was not reigning in His land. And He had a passion for God to reign in His homeland again. Do we have a passion for God to first reign in our own life? Do we have faith that God is going to take us and change us and mold us and fill us and empower us to do all that He has called us to do? Do we have faith that God wants to use us in the lives of others? In spite of ourselves, He wants to use us. In spite of all our failings, He goes, you are my blessed son. You are my blessed daughter. I have filled you. I have anointed you. And I'm going to use you. Do we have a passion and a burning desire to see people around us being changed? That our nation falls back in love with God. Do we have a passion that the bride of Christ is holy and blameless? That He's coming back for a holy bride? What does that mean? Separated. Being able to be used for the service of God. Is that our passion this morning? And not just this morning, but every morning. Every afternoon. Every evening. Are we praying that God's will be done? I just want to encourage you this morning that God loves you. He has His hand upon you. He has a plan for each and every single one of us. We may not see what it is, but He is leading us. Walk by faith, not by sight. God wants to move in your life. He wants to move in my life. He wants to do incredible things. More than we could ever ask and imagine. But we have to do. We have to ask. We have to imagine. And He wants to do even greater than that. I want to encourage you this morning. Pursue God. Pursue His Word. Pursue personal relationship with Him that exceeds anything. Make time. There's no excuse not to have time for God. Because there's nothing more important than God. 
He's more important than sleep. He's, you know, it's like, get up a little earlier. He'll get you through your day. Is He not able to make up for lost time? He can hold the sun in the sky until a battle is won. So does He not have the power to say, you know what, if you get up just 15 minutes earlier to say hi to me, and just just rest in my spirit, will I not replenish you for that 15 minutes? Or you know what? TiVo? I'm going to TiVo that show and I'm going to spend that time with God. Because I can always go back and get the TiVo, but this time will be gone once it's gone. I can't recapture the past. There's all kinds of ways to say, you know what, I'm going to take this time, I'm going to spend it with God. Your lunch hour, spend it with God. Where'd you go? I just needed to take some time and just read and pray. What? Why? That's who I am. That's My passion is God. I want to live for God. He's changed my life. I want Him to keep changing my life. Use it as a testimony. There's all these things, but it's just, first it starts with, with our priorities of where God lands in our life. So this morning, as the worship team comes up, let's just uh, let's go to the Lord. Oh, you know what? I have your music stand. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You. I thank You that we have passages of the Scriptures that that show us how You work in the lives of ordinary men and women. How You have changed the course of history because men and women were faithful to You. They listened to You and they walked by faith. Not everyone is caught up in a, in a fiery chariot and whisked off to heaven. Isaiah was torn asunder by four horses. Others were beheaded. Others crucified. But they did so because their life was hidden in You. You were their portion. You were their all in all. So this morning, Father, my prayer is that each one of us has a renewed passion, a re-ignition of our first love. That we would not wait to, to speak with You in the morning. That You would be the last person we speak to at night. And as we would text and call other people throughout the day, our heart and our spirit are calling out to You throughout the day. 
that we are in constant communion with You. Talking to You. Sharing our heart. Sharing our life with You. Loving You with all who we are. To love the Lord thy God with all of our strength, with all of our heart, with all of our mind. You are our God. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.